0: Welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about white people with heart problems so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Suzanne's Diary for Nicholas by James Patterson. Joining us to discuss this Nicholas Sparks knockoff are J.W. Friedman and Chris
1: Bullet Journal Collision
0: from I Don't Even Own a Television.
2: Hello.
3: Hello.
1: Welcome. Uh, we have temporarily temporarily lifted our ban on men to let you guys on our podcast.
3: So,
2: <laughs> it feels like an honor. Yeah.
3: It does. I'd, I'd, I'd like you guys to be the one who lifted the ban, uh, thus inaugurating our new age of not all men being banned <laughs> from your show.
2: You can't keep making that joke or we're going to get kicked back off.
1: <laughs> uh... Okay, so welcome. Um, Before we get too far into this, um, of course, if you are listening to this podcast right now and you didn't listen to us appear on the I Don't Even Own a Television podcast, you should go back and check that out because this is part two of a crossover event. Uh, and you you will understand nothing if you haven't listened to that.
2: (laughs) At least you'll know way less about uh, 98% human, 2% bird children.
1: That's right. And we don't know. They they could have been living on Martha's Vineyard just in the background.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm told that some are calling it the biggest crossover event in history. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Is there a James Patterson shared
2: universe? (laughs) Oh, <laughs> the yeah, the cinematic universe
3: well apparently there is a semi-shared universe because a lot of people mentioned to us after the last episode came out that the weird bird kid book series is his ya spinoff that shares some features with like the spooky school uh and i think we actually talked about that on the episode yeah too, the, the lake house uh, of one of these is not books.
1: the keanu reeves one
2: yeah. Right. Is that the one? Well, anyway, sorry. I was going to ask if that's the one where she gives birth to an egg, but I feel like now we're already going down the wrong book rabbit hole, so yeah, if you I'll to just hear about, zip my lips.
1: If you want to hear about the egg thing, go go back to I Don't Even Own a Television, and at the end of the show, we'll tell you how to find that website, or you can Google it right now. Uh, This this episode, I think, uh, I think it's safe to say, has no eggs in it. And except for no. human-female, like, n- you know, normal eggs.
0: Yes. Um, so so the first the first thing that stuck out to me about this book before I even opened it, when I was on the library webpage to put in my hold, is that it was, it sounded like it was the Bridges of Madison County, but with the role switched. And nothing that happened in the book led me to change that opinion at all. Uh, mm-hmm. That is what this is. So if you haven't listened to our episode about that, you should go listen to that as well. Uh, you know, just, just so that you can get all of our angry references to it.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's Bridges of Madison County, but then also it's packaged to look as if it were a Nicholas Sparks book. Like that same sort of wistful beach photo. like I think it's like a Nicholas Sparks font even. Yes. And then of course it's for Nicholas.
2: Mm -hmm. And there's some very filigreed text on the cover for sure. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, it's like an italic kind of cursive-y font. Uh, A lot of browns on the cover, (laughs) which I had a a chance to look at a lot because it's been sitting in my little e-reader library for a long time. Uh, It took me (laughs) took me quite a bit of Dutch courage to screw up the, uh, the wherewithal to go ahead and tap it and open it and and (laughs) see what it contained, which was, uh, I don't know, like a wilderness of mats, I guess is one way you could put it.
2: (laughs) Wilderness of mats, yes.
0: Uh, All right, let's, uh, let's zoom through what the book is about before we get into
1: pulling it apart for your entertainment. Well, it's, it's mainly, I would say it's mainly about Suzanne's diary and who it's for and who it's fucking not for.
0: Right, so you, you would think that, but then actually, uh, despite the fact that you would think it's not for a woman named Katie, uh, that actually is the lens through which we look at Suzanne's diary, even though it's for Nicholas.
2: Yeah, and I mean, there's there's a good reason for that, but we'll get to that later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we we open this book with uh, Katie, who is a you know good southern girl who lives in New York, which is a terrible place, but she is a, a book, she works in publishing, she's an editor or something mm-hmm. that's not really clearly ever articulated in a way that makes sense for how publishing
1: works. She works in the publishing industry, <laughs> yes. leave it at that.
4: And (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: she is devastated because this guy who she was in love with, who she thought was going to propose to her, and whose child she's carrying, uh, unbeknownst to him, has just abruptly not only broken up with her, but completely, apparently disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he has sent her- He ghosted
1: her, and this is like 2001, so that's way harder (laughs) than just not returning a text message. Yes. Like, he is not uh, at his house when she goes to it. He is gone.
3: <laughs> Spoilers! Which, which is totally normal behavior, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's dug out a survivalist bunker somewhere where he can hide from inevitable love.
1: Oh, he's in his sadness cave, actually. They don't say that, but I bet that's where he is. <laughs> I would not be surprised. Uh, so so
0: in the, the act of ghosting her, what he does is send her this book, and a letter that essentially just says, like, oh man, I'm really sorry, read the book and you'll understand. I mean, he calls it a diary, the note says, read the diary, which is weird. Yeah, and he says, like, you know, (laughs) at some point, some points are going to be hard for you to read, but, like, you really need to read it all to understand. And she opens it, and it is a diary that, at first we know i think actually no we do know at that point that he was at one point married to a woman named suzanne but we don't know anything else about that
1: Uh, yeah so so. she's like oh no he's been cheating on suzanne uh with me like i guess i assumed that it was over with suzanne but i guess it's not over oh my gosh and
3: are you you guys trying to set up some kind of Twist it seems like you're trying to you know kind of channel my expectations in one direction
1: <laughs> in yeah, a James we definitely, like, we definitely want you to think that Matt is a shitty guy who <laughs> has betrayed the Suzanne, who is the living incarnation of goodness and and love uh Suzanne, by the way, is a doctor who was dating someone else at the time that she, actually when she writes this diary. Some of what she's saying happened before she started writing it,
0: and it's unclear to, I mean, well, obviously this is a James Patterson book. He probably didn't put more than like five or six minutes into actually working on it or thinking out what was going to happen. So it's unclear at times when she's writing the book, how much of it is a flashback, how much of it is happening. It's it's a mess. Uh, But essentially... It's
3: very confusing. Yes. The timeline's a little (laughs) loosey-goosey. Very safe to say.
0: say. But it is. What it is actually is yet another diary that a parent has written about their romantic and sex life for their child, which is now the third time that we've covered this. And I don't... it, It
1: never gets less creepy. I feel like Kate. Neither you nor I are parents, but I feel like we should write just a quick parenting blog of like what we've learned. And like number one is don't write your kids a sex diary. Uh, <laughs> d- <laughs> That's maybe the only thing we've learned. I don't know. Uh, oh, don't let your kids read Rush Limbaugh books. And don't let a werewolf imprint on your baby. Three- oh yeah, of course. Don't let a werewolf imprint on your baby.
0: <laughs> Very important. Parenting guidelines.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, you can speak for yourself, but one of my most treasured possessions is this book that my mom wrote for me called The Times I Did It Really Good. <laughs> so,
3: <laughs> can we also take a little bit of a step back and just like, like, base ourselves in what an amazing dating maneuver it is to say, here you go, baby, read my question mark X wife's diary about how good a writer i am and how good i am in the sack
1: that is all a right great peace point, out. actually yeah because suzanne's diary loves matt like a lot of it's just about how i mean about how great she is but also how great matt is
2: yeah um and oh i have so many thoughts about matt but i'll save them for later
1: also by the way there's two guys named matt in this for no real purpose
2: yeah like oh, it, it to, feels like for a twist
0: the structure of the book is that like it's katie's frame story uh she's the the woman who got broken up with uh and she's reading the diary so it'll be like a chapter of katie and then like 15 james patterson chapters which are only two pages long of the diary and then like another interjection from katie about how much pain she's in reading this book about how much another woman loved matt so at, at the beginning, I I almost feel like what because we we get so Suzanne's a doctor. She lives in Boston. Um, she has like a very high paced Type A lifestyle, and at like thirty two, she has a heart attack one day. So she decides that what she needs to do is move to Martha's Vineyard, where she on, summered as Kate, a child. Sorry, I have
1: to interrupt. The reason she re- after having the heart attack, what she learns is the lesson of the five balls, which is oh, a yes. phrase that right. is repeated often. And the lesson of the five balls is that everyone in their life has these five balls and they're like, one is your work ball. And then it's like romance, family, integrity, uh, integrity. I don't know. And some, I I don't have all my balls. I don't know.
2: Work was one of them. I remember the work ball being very important.
1: Okay. And so the lesson of the five balls is like the work ball is made of rubber and the other ones are made of glass. So the work the, ball the other is what you should drop because it'll bounce. Yeah. But like, oh, I think one of the balls is your health, maybe.
3: Yeah. So here's the passage because I really think it's worth Thank you. Yes. just the full Monty here. Imagine life is a game in which you are juggling five balls. The balls are called work, family, health, friends, and integrity. And that, my dear, <laughs> is how the Zyborn clock works. <laughs> But one day, and you're keeping them all in the air, but one day you finally come to understand that work is a rubber ball. If you drop it, it will bounce back. The other four balls, to reiterate, family, health, friends, integrity, are made of glass. If you drop one of these, it will be irrevocably scuffed, (laughs) nicked, perhaps even shattered should do be <laughs> yeah and once you truly understand the lesson of the five balls you will have the beginnings of balance in your life and so we get this lesson and then immediately the next paragraph is like you know it was basically like, katie began to reflect on this deep or suzanne began to reflect on this deep wisdom her mind was blown at how perceptive and insightful this was yeah <laughs>
1: It's a book that's very impressed with its own writing on multiple levels. Oh, yeah. Uh, But anyway, so Suzanne dropped her health ball.
4: Yeah.
2: (laughs) She did. She got too focused on keeping the work ball in the air, and the next thing you know, the health ball was rolled in the corner and covered with cat hair and stuff.
3: And in case you're wondering if this book really takes this, like, half-assed uh, metaphor seriously like the last sentence of one of the paragraphs deep in the book is something like the child inside her was a glass ball yes. <laughs>
0: yes. so it's so suzanne, revisited often yes uh so suzanne um moves to martha's vineyard which is like where she summered as a child and was very happy and in like the first Two minutes that she's there, she her car breaks down or something, and her high school boyfriend, whose name is Matt, like, drives up to save her, and he quotes a line of poetry. So, Not like, obviously, oh, we're all supposed to think, like, oh, like, this is the Matt that she's talking about, but no... Suzanne's house painter, who flirts with her, is also named Matt, and he's also a poet, and this first Matt was a red herring for no particular reason at all, and quickly disappears when she begins to date house painter Matt.
1: Yeah, that lawyer reveal. Matt blows her off, and then briefly yeah. comes back and is like, oh, you're with other Matt now? Alright, bye. And it's just like, <laughs> one page, again, for no reason. <laughs>
2: yeah. He, it's all right by, but in the creepiest way possible, because it's all like, well, you know, if he ever screws up, I'll be right there. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. that, that kind of gave me goosebumps in the bad way.
3: Yeah. Also, also the moment where the reveal is that like, oh, it was, you know, house painter Matt, not lawyer slash fine art dealer Matt, was the first time I groaned audibly while reading this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I,
2: for me, it was even before that. It's when Matt quoted Walt Whitman, and, and she gets so excited about it. Like, it's the most profound thing she's ever heard instead of, like, something you read in sixth grade.
0: Right. <laughs> Mine was actually way before that in, like, the second page of the book where uh, Katie in the frame story is listing all the things she and Matt have in common. And they're, like, watching Ally McBeal going to dinner
1: before having a drink. Katie, this is my dramatic reading. Stop giving spoilers. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Uh,
3: We may may talk about this again later, too. But actually, I think I was wrong. I think the first time I audibly groaned is when... Suzanne's Boston boyfriend sits her down and breaks up with her, apparently with a three-part bulleted yes. list. Yes.
1: And one of them is, uh, oh, you probably can't get pregnant now.
3: Yeah. And the other one another is I just can't relate to you like I can with my dude friends.
1: Oh yeah, cuz I was also briefed, like, "Oh, is he gay? Like is that what that means or <laughs> What?" Yeah, so so the
0: contents of his list is totally garbage, but In his defense, I did recently ask a girl out with a pros and cons list. So, in theory, I'm not, like, against the idea of using a list for such a reason.
2: I I think on, you know, in the initiation phase, that's more acceptable than the breakup phase where it comes across as very cold and calculating and slightly inhuman, I think. Especially when one of them is... I don't think you'll be able to have a baby now. Right,
4: yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But Kate, was one of the things on your list I can relate to you in a way that I can't relate to my guy friends with? (laughs) Uh,
0: I would need to have more than one guy friend, and my only guy friend is Jesse, who I can relate to very well, so... Mm. No, it wasn't. Mm. There were some things about Theodore Roosevelt, I believe, and the fact that I have a car.
1: Yeah, <laughs> U- usual Kate stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, write it. Write a next time. Write a diary and send it to her. Also, excellent. Will do. Yeah. So we uh, we have,
0: uh, Suzanne on this this island. Uh, on Martha's Vineyard. She's met lawyer Matt, and then that was a red herring. And now uh, she is with house painter Matt, and within like two days, they're super in love, forever, and. Like, essentially, they spend a whole book being in love and getting married, and she gets pregnant. And then here's where the beginning of trying to understand the structure of this diary, like, first jumps out at me, which is at the beginning, she seems to be writing the diary to their son, Nicholas, with the understanding that, like, Nicholas is already born and is, like, a baby, and he'll read it one day. But then... When she gets pregnant in the diary's linear time, she starts addressing the entries as if the baby's not born yet.
2: Yeah, it's weird. And also, there are several chapters, I believe, that begin with Darling Nikki, which made me laugh a
3: lot. (laughs) (laughs) Also, we should note that this is a really um, plot-oriented diary. I don't know if any of... The rest of you have ever tried to keep a journal I've tried off and on a couple of times and you know there tends to be a lot of fluff in there tends to be a lot about kind of the day to day doesn't tend to be you know only bullshit aphorisms and poignant teachable moments for my possibly born possibly not yet conceived son
2: yeah I mean that's fair when I tried to keep a diary it was mostly like in sixth grade (laughs) so it was all stuff like hope I get Zelda for Christmas
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh! So so we've got she's pregnant and she has this baby and she's concerned because of her heart problems that like she might not be able to survive the pregnancy, but she does. And 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 they have a baby. We are
1: cutting back to to Katie being like, oh my god! And they have a baby. Like has he been a terrible dad this whole time? How come I haven't heard Mm -hmm. about the baby? Anyway, back to Suzanne. And- yes,
0: interspersed with like, oh, like I want to hate Suzanne, but like she's so perfect and wonderful in this diary that I can't help but like want to be her friend and love her anyway, even though like she's stolen my man or I've stolen hers, question mark.
2: <laughs> I mean, Suzanne, as it's mentioned earlier, is Eminently likable, though. I mean, she's, what, six feet tall? She's an ex-basketball player, and uh, that's, she's pretty,
3: that's but Katie. she doesn't know it. Yeah.
1: Which is the only oh, acceptable Katie. way to be pretty.
2: Yeah, for sure.
3: Well, she's the kind of pretty that doesn't wear a lot of makeup.
1: Oh, thank
0: God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Neither of these women, you know, really seem to like other women very much or any traditionally feminine qualities, while also like leaning very hard into those qualities Mm -hmm. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: there's like a point where i think it's suzanne in the diary says like oh like i never blush because like i'm not like other girls but then every (laughs) other line she's like fucking like oh i blushed or like i never blushed but i'm blushing now (laughs) and it happens like i i lost count because i started keeping count and then i lost count because it happens so frequently
1: it's because nick is so blushable well no not nick nick's the baby God damn it, Matt.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's confusing
2: because you got two Matts and and a Nick and yeah, I don't
3: know. But it's definitely a world where like the best thing, you know, that can be said of a woman and the thing that like makes every woman's heart just absolutely sing is either you are a great mom or you will be a great mom, you know, so it's definitely crutching very, very hard. Uh, and really abusing those extremely traditional roles, uh, even if it tries to have its like, but they're career women, cake as well. Mm.
0: Yeah, it leans hard into gender essentialism.
1: Or if it tries to keep, they try to keep their work balls in the air, if you will.
2: <laughs> well played. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I want to see them do cool juggling tricks. Like, what if you replace the balls with knives? <laughs> <laughs>
1: just juggling five balls is pretty hard. So yeah, I would I definitely be impressed.
3: <laughs> it's impressive, but it's also not a game. Like the whole point was like, imagine it's a game where you're juggling five balls. That's just an activity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway, or, I, I have problems with...
1: Or an art form.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, it right. depends on if you've been to clown college or mm-hmm. not. College. But it's still not a game.
4: <laughs> yeah,
3: There's no like outcome. No, it's a way of life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure i mean I, I do contact juggling in the park on the weekends don't we all you ever seen my devil sticks
1: <laughs> anyway back to suzanne's health ball yes
4: uh, <laughs> so, gonna get a little uh, she
1: um
0: she has another heart attack or something i don't know like when when their son nicholas is like six or seven months old And she's, like, back in the hospital, and she finds out she's pregnant again, but, like, she's trying to work too much, because she's not really leaning into this lesson of the five balls, Mm. and her doctor is like, you can't work if you want to have a baby, another baby, or you'll die. And she's like, oh, God, well, I guess I want a baby a lot. So she stops going to her job and just and still like at one point like she's in a coma but she still somehow is able to write the journal. <laughs>
5: That's my favorite part. <laughs>
1: yeah, I I think some of it she must have written after she got out of that coma, but it doesn't hold together.
2: Yeah, it's still written in the present tense like she's writing a ghost journal. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, but she she bounces back and she survives and she and but the wildest thing here though is it seems clear that she has lost that second pregnancy and that coma or whatever but it's never explicitly said and they don't seem to have an emotional response to it at all versus how much she debated about like you know keeping the baby and oh it'll be worth the risk because i really want this baby and then she loses the pregnancy which is You know, I mean, it's a tragedy. Women are sad about families. Like, when that happens to you, like, people get really sad about it because it's really fucking sad to have a miscarriage. And she's just like, but I still had Nicholas. And, like, I still had Matt, the best man in the world. So it's fine.
3: Yeah, and and the whole thing is written in this kind of really oblique way. And I, I don't know if it was my own preconceptions about like what kind of political lines you have to walk to sell eleventy bazillion books uh, or if (laughs) there was something coming through from the text. But it is real clear from syllable one that this health of the mother jeopardizing pregnancy is absolutely not going to be terminated. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like it's not even on Suzanne's radar at all. Um, But like you say, you know, when it, it it all feels like this uh, fake storm, because like you say, there's no aftermath, there's no consequences.
2: It almost feels like a seventy something year old man writing about abortion.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is explicitly like her doctor brings it up like you your heart cannot take this pregnancy. It might kill you. You should terminate this pregnancy and like other people echo that and she's like, I can't I couldn't do that. I I wouldn't be able to and she's a fucking doctor. Mm -hmm. She's a fucking doctor. (laughs) She should understand how pregnancy works and how fetuses work. But no. Anyway, that's that rant.
2: Yeah. No, it's rant worthy. I mean, it's a pretty infuriating part of the book. And just the fact that it gets such short shrift in the narrative when you think this would probably be a huge happening in her life, you know. And if, say, if you were writing a diary, it might be something you'd put a lot of thought into instead of, like, two or three offhanded paragraphs like, yeah, I thought I might lose the baby, but, you know, whatever. Nicholas is here, so I don't know.
1: Yeah, and then even if... Uh, okay, so I mean, I guess we can just wrap up fairly quickly. So after that, there's the scare, but like, oh, then Suzanne's okay, and they're a family, and there's like a few more diary chapters. They're just like, you were such a cute baby, and we went to get a baby portrait of you, but the photographer sucked. And then, and then there's another cut, and then now the diary is written by Matt, and Matt is writing to Nicholas to let. Nicholas know that, oh, Suzanne thought she was fine and she took a drive and she had another heart attack and she was killed in the car crash. And then, like, P.S., you died also. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it is it is so vague that I had to go back and read that chapter like three times before I realized Nicholas was also dead.
4: Yeah, Like, he's
2: in the same car when the accident happens. But it's not made clear until, I guess... Very much later in the book, well, this is towards the end, but at least a few pages later, when um, god, I already forgot her name, Katie, yeah, it goes to yeah. the um, the graveyard and sees both Nicholas and Suzanne's yeah. gravestone next to each other. And I was like, What Nicholas died? Yeah, like...
3: that's like the last <laughs> big, big reveal. Uh, it's also a little like it's Suzanne's diary for Nicholas, not Matt's Suzanne's diary for Nicholas, not Suzanne's diary. For Nicholas.
2: With addendum Fe- by Matt. Yeah,
3: featuring Matt, <laughs> you know? This isn't a fucking guest
2: appearance on your, your hot track. <laughs> Suzanne's Diary for Nicholas featuring Matt in
4: 2 chains.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hang on. I did just flip to that letter because he is writing, dear, like, dear Nicholas, blah, blah, blah. Suzanne carried you outside and carefully strapped you in your car seat. You were in the Jeep with Mommy when she crashed an old pond bridge road. The two of you were together. I still can't bear to think about it.
2: I mean, I guess that makes it kind of obvious, but it's still like, yeah, this isn't a mystery book. It's not tabula rasa. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I don't feel like you had to play the long game with
1: that. Right. Yeah. And, but then anyway, the, so the, it's clearly like that part of the diary it becomes clearly like, okay, well, this is just Matt's like grief processing project now, I guess. But he still isn't mentioning the second baby.
2: Right. Yeah, like, that That one didn't count, but Nicholas did, and it's weird. And also, we didn't mention the dog dies, because, of course, the dog dies. For for um, no they, reason. Yeah, they have a beloved family dog that dies pretty early on in the book, because that's the kind of book this is. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, it's not even like... It, Matt's not even allergic to dogs, you know what I mean? That, there is no yeah. motivation other than, like, well... Haven't had a major happening in a couple of pages. I mean, a couple of chapters. Oh wait, that's the same thing. Might as well kill off the dog.
1: And it's not even like, oh, and the dog died because Suzanne was busy with work and she got irresponsible and forgot to feed him or something. It just like runs into no. traffic and it's like, okay, well, bye.
2: I mean, this book is filled with needless tragedy, and I think it's hilarious because there are like several points in this book where. You know, it gets a little wink and nudge and calls out the kind of romance genre in particular and is like all of these books that are bummers about how love can't last between people and just always ends up in a bummer. And then he does the exact same thing, (laughs) like every 30 pages, horrible things happen to these people. It's... um... There's there's a weird lack of uh, introspection in in the in the style. I feel like,
3: huh.
0: Yeah, like it's not even lampshade hanging because he doesn't seem to be self-aware enough to acknowledge that that is also what's happening in his book. No, like it's not a wink and a nudge. It's like man, most romance novels suck, but this one, congratulations on choosing to read this one instead, because it's better, because the money comes to me and not Nicholas Sparks. Right. Yeah. Uh, So the, the the very end of the book is that Katie finishes the diary, realizes this tragedy has happened, gets on a plane and flies to Boston, and then takes the ferry to Martha's Vineyard without calling Matt. And like, noses around the island asking questions, trying to find him. He's not at his house. No one knows where he is. She goes back to her house. And he shows up one day and is like, man, I'm real sorry. He shows up at her work one day and is like, oh, like, sorry, I had sadness. And the only way I could tell you that I had sadness was to make you think that I was using you to cheat on my wife and then make you read a 250-page trage- tragedy diary <laughs> instead of just, like, writing you an email.
2: Yeah. I had to dump this in your lap because I was sad. <laughs> Please forgive me. <laughs> and and he's not only telling her that he has sadness. It's it's He goes into this performative sadness posturing where he's like kneeling down on the steps of her office like with his head in his hands like I guess like a medieval uh, saint would do or something. And it's 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 really embarrassing.
1: Yeah, like other people on the street notice and like walk around them. Like what a weirdo.
2: He's like a step away from mailing her an origami
3: swan once a day for a month. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I do like her little like jaunt to martha's vineyard like she literally goes to a bar asks if they know about him takes a cab to his house he's not there has a quick conversation with the neighbor lady and goes home like nancy drew katie is
2: not (laughs) well that's the part where i thought it was going to become a murder mystery and i got really
3: excited but (laughs) (laughs) did the guy who ghosted me become a ghost
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would read that book I mean I guess I read this book too but I would read that of my own volition we did read
1: that when Nicholas Sparks wrote it (gasps) oh that's right we read that Nicholas Sparks ghost book
2: oh shit okay I haven't read it but I've heard about it and you're right that is exactly what it's about
1: (laughs) Although, spoiler alert it's not a ghost it's a train but anyway
2: (laughs) wait he becomes a train this book sounds awesome. Like Thomas the Tank Engine. Yes,
1: yeah, she fell in love with Thomas the Tank Engine. No, I cannot okay, cool. get into this. The point is that in that book, there actually was no ghost and it was just the train, but for a while, they thought it was a ghost.
2: Oh, okay. I see. <laughs>
3: trains are known to make spooky sounds yeah they, they pull the ghost they pull the ghost's mask off and it's just like the 215 express from Clarksville and they would have got away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids
1: uh, if it wasn't for those meddling adult lovebirds who didn't know how beautiful they were until they saw each other in the ghostly light of the train ghost but anyway back to this book yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Which didn't even have the grace to give us any kind of ghost.
4: Mm-mm.
1: No. It was just, it, it was, it was like tragedy
0: porn. Yes.
2: Yeah. 100% like everything that happens in this book is a bummer. And I mentioned this earlier off air and I don't know if it's just because like I was switching up my brain pills and going through a weird period of kind of emotional roller coaster stuff. But I haven't been this bummed out by a shitty book in a really long time. And anytime that happens, I get very viscerally angry because I feel like you didn't earn this. You didn't earn this reaction from me, Mr. Patterson.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> not at all earned. And it's. I, but I feel like it's not even the reaction he was looking for like I feel like he wants you to be like oh like but they live happily ever after even though there's adversity they've overcome it when really you're like wow like everyone is dead You, every person this man loves is dead and he like just fucked over this woman and yeah. I guess now they're getting married so it's okay because they did that in three pages after <laughs> 250 pages of Morose nonsense So I have a small
1: theory about this actually Because um, So it really seems like All the previous dead people are are Forgotten and Matt is able To like sort of restart and you see that He'll marry Katie and have this New happy life with this new fresh Not dead baby And Kate you mentioned that you had read that uh, James Patterson wrote this After his, his girlfriend or his Wife died of leukemia yeah, so I feel like this was him try- in some way being like, but I deserve to be like happy and successful, even though like she's dead. Right. Like, yeah, because that's what oh, it came yeah, across like, as.
2: Like there's some personal reckoning going on throughout here. Maybe a little bit of exploration via Ghostwriter. Yes.
3: <laughs> well, that's a that, that's a fucking bummer. Yeah, here bummer. it is. Uh, Patterson
0: but... used some of his experience with heartbreak to write Suzanne's diary for Nicholas. In 1974, Patterson fell in love with Jane Blankard. After dating for several years, she was, diag- it was a, diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor. When she died, Patterson devoted his time to writing and stayed away from romantic relationships. And it was a decade later that he got married no, no, to someone the... who's not dead.
3: That's not James Patterson, that's the plot of love story. <laughs> Good
2: point.
4: Uh he stole that tragedy. They also also left out
2: an important part, which is after that, James Patterson dedicated his life to writing fair to middling thrillers.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you do kind of wonder about Matt's overall sort of like emotional coping skills it's mentioned a couple of times uh well we are told a couple of times that in some ways he's a broken brooding man uh because his father died when he was but eight Mm -hmm. um and you definitely kind of get the vibe that like three pages after this book ends you know he turns to katie and is like katie yes matt i've been thinking if we have a child and it's a boy we should name it." nicholas too and if it's a girl we should name it susanna also you know
2: i have a lot of theories about matt's coping skills honestly and i think that that he has a secret houseboat somewhere that smells like whiskey and old socks but that's just me i'm weary of anybody who um you know paints houses for a living but calls themselves picasso Uh so Which, yeah, it should be mentioned, that is a thing.
1: But did he call himself Picasso, or did people just call him Picasso?
2: No, when he introduces himself to her, he refers to himself as Picasso in a somewhat deprecating (sighs) manner, but then everybody else on the island also calls him Picasso.
5: (laughs) I mean... Listen,
0: Matt is good at everything. He's good at painting houses. He's good at painting paintings. He's good at writing poems. He's good at being a boyfriend. He's good at being a husband. He's good at being a dad. He's good at cooking. I think at one point, like,
1: Uh, would you say sitting on the Would you say he has the soul of a poet, but the hands of a crab painter? Yes, I would say that he has the
0: soul of a poet, but the hands of a crap painter.
2: That's right on point. I mean, his, his, his calloused fingertips belie the artist's soul within. Mm-hmm.
1: By the way, this book makes it very clear that Matt's poems are great and everyone loves Matt's poems. But we are just about to, to dramatic readings where you will soon learn that Matt's oh. poems are fucking terrible.
2: Yeah, Matt's, they're not that great.
3: Matt's poems would embarrass the Hallmark Company.
1: Like, Like. I've graded poems for a middle school poetry contest, and many of those poems are very bad, but if you told, like, if a sixth grader submitted Matt's poems, I'd be like, yeah, I believe a sixth grader wrote this, and I'm not giving it an honorable mention even. (laughs)
2: <laughs> there, there's a part in this book where Matt decides to dunk on Suzanne's taste in music and refers to things as smarmy. And then it's like almost immediately juxtaposed with one of his poems that sounds like lyrics from like a throwaway wallflowers or train song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know so, specifically, yeah. specifically,
1: specifically I mean, he dumps on Truly Madly Deeply by Savage Garden, which is a real <laughs> jam and much better than any of Matt's fucking poems.
3: Also, I mean mr patterson is as we have have spent ample time discovering and documenting a real classic rock guy mm-hmm. eric clapton is name checked explicitly in this book and this entire book is basically tears to heaven the novelization <laughs> Ooh, yeah. you're right you know uh so you don't have a lot of room to call out schlock mr patterson <laughs> well for many reasons yeah uh
1: but anyway, that's what happens in this book or stacked nesting dolls of books. Uh, <laughs> should we go Oh, on- it is.
2: Oh. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just thinking you're really right. It's like one of those, like, uh, the Russian dolls where you open it up and there's another one inside. What is it? Marestroika? Is that it? Uh, I'm probably totally wrong. R- Never Marushka? mind.
3: Some Marushka? Marushka?
4: You know, yeah.
2: they're Russian
3: dolls,
1: yeah, as we call like them that. in America.
3: But th- this is not exactly like memento level narrative complexity yeah (laughs) it's just (laughs) sort of sometimes purposefully vague and sometimes i think accidentally vague
0: yeah yeah i mean it's a given that like on the third page after katie is reading suzanne's diary and suzanne is so taken with matt it's very clear that well right after suzanne has a heart attack it's like oh she's gonna die that's what this is she's dead And that is why he gave her this diary. And then, you know, you had to read another 250 pages to (laughs) get to the point where that actually is confirmed. I
1: was shocked. Like, Katie should have just skipped to the end of the diary. Like, any human woman presented, any human Mm -hmm. person in this situation, I feel like, would be like, oh, this is a lot that I have to get through. Like, what is happening? Let me just skip to the last page and see if there's something here that explains
2: yeah, I think if somebody dumped this on my doorstep quite literally and was like, you have to read to the end to understand, I'd be like, page 365, everyone's dead. Oh, okay, I forgive you. Right.
1: <laughs> so. You know, then maybe flip back to, like, once you've gotten that ending. But, yeah, she does not do that. Ugh. But she is also the publishing editor, question mark, who thinks Matt's poems are brilliant genius, so... I got my eye on her.
3: <laughs> A job she apparently vaulted into at like 22, right? Like she graduates with honors and is instantly given the job that she has six years later. Yep,
2: straight from starting powered forward on the uh, yeah. North Carolina college basketball team right into the um, the ivory tower of poetic publishing. Yeah.
0: Yep. Uh, so should we should we read some of this? this book out loud so that everyone else understands what we've suffered through
1: yes oh
2: i think we certainly should
1: Ugh, get ready all right so i'm gonna start us off uh i've got from very near the beginning of the book when uh katie is explaining to us that she's very sad because matt has dumped her and matt is amazing and here's why She wanted to think about Matt, about what had happened to separate them, but she wound up thinking of times they'd shared, mostly good times. Begrudgingly, she had to admit that she had always been able to talk to him freely and easily about anything. She could talk to Matt the way she talked to her women friends. Even her girlfriends, (laughs) who could be catty and generally had terrible luck with men, liked Matt. So what happened between us? That's what she desperately wanted to know. He was thoughtful. At least he had been. Her birthday was in June, and he had sent her a single rose every day of what he called your birthday month. He always seemed to notice whether he'd seen her in a certain blouse or sweater before. Her shoes, her moods, the good, the bad, and occasionally the stressed out ugly. He liked a lot of the same things Katie did, or so he said. Ali McBeal, The Practice, Memoirs of a Geisha, The Girl with the Pearl Earring.
5: (laughs) Shut up, man.
1: Dinner, then drinks, at the bar at One If by Land, Two If by Sea. Waterloo in the West Village. Coup in the East. Bubbies on Hudson Street. Foreign movies at the Lincoln Plaza Cinema. Vintage, black and white photos. Oil paintings that they found at flea markets. Trips to Nolita. North of Little Italy and Williamsburg, the new Soho. Listen to how cool these people are. Don't you just want to be happy together?
3: I bet they have all sorts of great brunches. Like this whole book is like the romantic montage that was ridiculous in the Naked Gun. Yes, it is. Which is like 20 years. It gets even better though. I
1: really just have like two more paragraphs I want to get there to give you the full the full pie. <laughs> he went to church with her on Sundays where she taught a Bible class of preschoolers. They both treasured Sunday afternoons at her apartment with Katie reading the Times from cover to cover and Matt revising his poems, which he spread out on her bed and on the bedroom floor and even on the butcher block kitchen table. Tracy, Jatman, Tracy Chapman or Macy Gray, maybe Sarah Vaughn would be playing softly in the background. Delicious. Perfect in every way <laughs> doesn't that sound perfect?
2: Is, is Macy Gray romantic? I've never thought of Macy Gray as romantic. maybe <laughs> I'm just a hard-hearted son of a bitch, but like Macy Gray has always struck me as kind of soulful but but that's not romance music unless I'm just listening to the wrong songs.
1: yeah, I, I, I feel like I only know like like her one like radio hit, I don't know.
2: Oh, you know what? I'm getting her mixed up with someone else because I thought she did. You got to be kind. You got to be strong. You got to be wiser. But that's somebody else. I believe that is Sophie
1: B. Hawkins. (laughs) You're totally right. (laughs) Macy Gray was I Try, I think was her hit. Oh,
4: yeah.
2: It's true. (laughs) The the world crumbles when you are not here. It's that one. (laughs) Uh, Just the perfect thing
1: to listen to on a romantic Sunday.
2: Mm. Yeah. neo soul followed up immediately by that outcast song with erica badu Uh, all right
0: so i'm gonna read next i think we had very briefly talked about like some of the gender essentialism in the book and how (gasps) Mm -hmm. we've got like fucking suzanne not being like other women and everything else but yeah here is here is some some more of that nonsense Dear Nikki, I hope when you grow up that everything you want comes your way, but especially love. When it's true, when it's right, love can give you the kind of joy that you can't get from any other experience. I have been in love. I am in love. So I speak from experience. It's two sentences that end on the word experience in a row. Mm -hmm. I have also lived long periods without love in my life, and there is no way to describe the difference between the two. We is always so much better than I. Please don't listen to anyone who tells you otherwise. And don't ever become a, sick, a cynic, Nikki. Anything but that. I look at your little hands and feet. I count your toes over and over, moving them gently as if they were beads on an abacus. I kiss your belly till you laugh. You are so innocent. Stay that way when it comes to love. Just look at you. How is it I got so lucky? I got the perfect one. Your nose and mouth are just right. Your eyes and your smile are your very best features. Already I see your personality blossoming. (laughs) It's in your eyes. What are you thinking about right now? The mobile over your head? Your music box? Daddy says you are probably thinking about girls and tools and flashy cars. He jokes that your favorite things are flashy cars, pretty girls, and birthday cake. (sighs) He's a real boy, Suzanne. That's true, and it's probably a good thing. But do you know what you like best? Teddy bears. You're so gentle and sweet with your little bears. Daddy and I laugh about all the good things that wait for you. But what we want most for you is love and that it will always surround you. It is a gift. If I can, I will try to teach you how to receive such a gift. Because to be without love is to be without grace, what matters most in life. We is so much better than I. If you need proof, just look at us. (sighs) Barf.
2: Oh wow, yeah. my teeth hurt.
1: The scenes yeah. in Fast and the Furious when Paul Walker and Vin Diesel are trying to <laughs> trying to make the baby play with different kinds of cars are more progressive than this.
5: He's really into fancy cars and tools and flashy girls and, and motley crew and hanging out on the pier <laughs> playing
3: skee ball. The emotional parts of Fast and Furious where they're like we're really a
5: family. It's family and we
3: stick together because that's what families do, are smarter, better advice than that letter we just read. And I don't even like the Fast and the Furious.
1: And you know what? <laughs> and I think Vin Diesel's emotional arc is better than Matt's because he had the same thing happen to him. Like, well, his baby didn't die, but his his the, his the baby mama did die and it was his fault. For a while. Uh, anyway, he, he handled it all much better than fucking Matt did. Yeah. Well he
2: he didn't dump a diary on anyone's doorstep, that's for sure. He, so. he
1: did not, he would not. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, I also want to say that I quickly Googled and the song You Gotta Be is performed by Ray. So please Des Ray, that's it. Yeah, in. please don't at me about this.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay, I forgot. Yeah, that's what happens when you accidentally just speak on a podcast. <laughs>
1: yeah. Desiree, super Superfans, Since- I see you. I apologize for my error. Let's move on to our next dramatic reading.
2: Yeah, your world does well, just, not just need to two, crumble. two quick
1: things
0: before <laughs> oh, sorry, we move sorry, on to our next one.
1: <laughs> which
0: is that yeah. I realized before when we were talking about how like it's unclear when she writes the diary. Uh, at this point in the linear story, she and Matt aren't even married yet and she's talking about how like daddy and i look at you and we look at your fingers and your mouth so clearly like an actual child exists at this point in the linear narrative but much later she's like who will you be nikki when i birth you because that hasn't happened yet because you're still in my body and you're not born yet so fucking whatever
3: katie doesn't catch it either she's a shitty editor
1: (laughs) (laughs) katie put the diary on shuffle (laughs) (laughs)
0: the other really weird creepy thing is that half the time she refers to matt as daddy because she's talking to nicholas ostensibly but a lot of the other time she just refers to him as matt which then like gets weird when you read especially some of the romantic passages i don't know
2: yeah, I have real problems with with daddy in in romance writing in general, but that's uh that's just me. Um <laughs> I guess I'm going to go next. Um I had to I had to get an accessory here because I want to do one of Matt's love poems, but I want to do it the way I uh I heard it in my head. So, um,
4: <clears throat> <clears throat>
2: Oh, that's Ooh, way out. of tune. I'm I'm there. excited. <laughs> Let me, I should have tuned up, but I didn't want to do it while you were talking. <laughs> Anyway, I figure most of this should sound like a, like a train B side.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So, dear Suzanne, you are the explosions of carnations in a dark room, (coughs) or the unexpected Santa Pine miles from Maine. You are a full moon that gives midnight its meaning. and the explanation of water and I need to turn the page and shit (laughs) for all things you are a compass a sapphire a bookmark a rare coin a smooth stone a blue marble you are an old love a small shell a saved silver dollar you are fine quartz a feathered quill and a fob from a favorite watch you are a valentine Tattered and loved and reread a hundred times. You are a medal found in the drawer of a once sung hero. You are honey and cinnamon and West Indian spices lost from the boat. <laughs> there was once Marco Polo's.
4: <laughs> I am Thank you very crying. much. I'll be here all week. <laughs> <laughs>
2: If anyone would like to write a diary about me, please reach out and get in touch. I am always down for being lionized in
4: print, oh my and
2: I know four chords. One of them is a minor. Ugh. Okay, uh, I'll put the guitar we, away. We will no. have
1: that uh, recording up on the iTunes Store.
2: <laughs> By J. Matt Friedman. <laughs> oh, whoa! I skipped the best verse, but it's okay. I'll well, do it.
4: Uh,
1: just whisper it.
5: You are an old soul from an ancient place. A thousand years and centuries and millenniums ago. And you have traveled all this way just so I could love you.
3: And I do. (laughs) (laughs) That, That whole thing would have been so redeemed if it was like, And you've traveled all this way just so I could love you from behind <laughs> oh
5: Jesus <laughs> get your mind out of the gutter man I'm playing sensitive
2: acoustic guitar songs over here uh, alright I, I, I'm i done I'm done with guitar but I was uh, just very very like I could not read that, that poem without hearing it in my head as this kind of like obnoxious open mic night kind of desperately trying to get laid tune So no, you
4: might <laughs> yeah uh.
3: Holy shit! Collision. Uh, do you have one? Oh yeah, I'd really like to follow that, Jay. Thanks. Thanks. You can go right to hell. That's why
2: they call me the showstopper. Yeah. Ugh. Um.
3: So I have a, uh, a a little medley that should follow that. Okay. Uh, would would you like us to like uh, do some
1: beatnik snaps in the background? without help?
3: I wouldn't like that. Okay. I would love that. <laughs> Um so I'm going to present you a little medley with Beatnik snaps in the background. Uh that's going to begin with Matt unburdening his heart and uh accidentally revealing a uh, sad truth about himself. And then it's going to go to a little place that's less what Patterson is saying and more how he's saying it. Um and I don't want to spoil it. I'm just going to say that in part 2 keep your keep your eyes open or your ears open or even if you will your heart open uh for odd juxtapositions and changes of topic and tone all right here we go katie dear katie now you know what i haven't been able to tell you all these months you know my secrets i wanted to tell you almost since the day that we met i have been grieving for such a long time and i couldn't be comforted so i kept my past from you you Of all people there are words from a poem about the local fishing boats and their crews that have been carved into the bar of Doc's tavern on the vineyard the longed-for ships come empty home or founder on the deep and eyes first lose their tears and then their sleep I saw the words one night at docks when I couldn't cry anymore and couldn't sleep and I was almost crushed by the awful truth in them. Uh, so, yeah, screenshot that. And the caption is the feeling when you out the fact that you didn't tell your girlfriend what's going on with you because you were too busy getting blotto at uh, Doc's <laughs> Tavern on the vineyard. The,
2: the, the phrase Doc's Tavern definitely takes a lot of the mystique out of that. Yeah. It's, it's
4: like, <laughs>
3: uh, baby. I saw this poem on the wall at the bar. No, no, it wasn't in the bathroom, so this one's okay. <laughs> Where
2: lies the strangling fruit that came from the hand of the sinner? I shall bring forth the seeds of the dead to share with the worms that gather in the darkness and surround the world with the power of their lives while the dimlit halls of other places forms that never were and never could be writhed for the impatience of the few who never saw what could have been. Whoa. Ooh. Sorry, it's Jeff Vandermeer. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Katie? I was going to say,
0: do you have all that memorized? Because like, I recognize the first line, but like...
2: <laughs> no, I pulled it up. It's just one of my favorite books.
0: <laughs> so.
3: Katie, dear Katie, here I sit, broken hearted. <laughs> I'm not going to continue that, but... Yeah. Uh, Time uh, is a flat circle. If, if you've been to the men's room, you know how that one continues. <sighs> uh, anyway, so let's, let's, let's get away from Matt and uh, let's pay a little attention to Katie, dramatically speaking. She had always been a fighter. She conquered her fears to come to New York by herself. She'd always had the courage to do what she had to do. Katie took the shuttle to Boston first thing in the morning. At Logan Airport, she was met by a car service that would take her to Woods Hole and the ferry to Martha's Vineyard. She entered the Steamship Authority terminal in Woods Hole, bought her ticket, and got on a two-decker ferry called the Islander. During the seven-mile, 45-minute ride, she thought of Suzanne and her arrival on the vineyard after she left Boston. She wondered if Suzanne had been on board the Islander, too. Katie realized she hadn't brought a manuscript to read on the plane or the ferry. Work is a rubber ball, she thought. Yes, it is. Matt was a glass ball. He had been scuffed, marked, damaged, but maybe he hadn't been shattered. Or maybe he had been. The mystery would never be solved unless she found him. As the Islander got closer and closer to the vineyard, Katie couldn't take her eyes off of the old Oak Bluffs Ferry Terminal. It was a gray, clabbered building, a one-story structure, (laughs) and it goes on like this.
2: That's some Rust Cole shit right there. Some true detective act. And after that paragraph where he like explicitly describes every stop she gets off on the ferry and mm-hmm. how far apart they are, now I'm convinced James Patterson did write this himself.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just will never be able to get over juxtaposing shit like she'd always been able to do what she had to do. She took a cab to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh my God, can really? God damn! Uh classic katie atomic (laughs) blonde katie is not Uh, Uh, so yeah that's some of the uh trademark james patterson prose for you yeah (laughs) Uh,
1: so speaking of james patterson prose uh our first our first would you rather question is would you rather read another james patterson adult romance book such as this one or read another James Patterson young adult book such as Maximum Ride which we talked about over on I Don't Even Own a Television
2: Um, I'll go first I guess because this is an easy answer for me and it's it's a young adult book for sure because I spent most of that re- laughing uproariously. Whereas this, I was just hella bummed out through the whole thing. So that's a pretty easy pick for me because there are very rare occasions in my life where I'm actively looking to be sadder than I already am. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so young adult novel for sure.
3: I yeah, I, kind of similarly, but like I didn't show I didn't choose this life. This life chose me. <laughs> I was born into it, and like. When I look into the future, as a bad book podcaster, I see nothing but an infinite series of both James Patterson books, including romance for adults and James Patterson books that are YA. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it, that's all there is. You know what? I was just about to, I was about to make a
2: joke. It's like, you know, like, well, what if we made adult adventure books and youth romance books? But then I remembered we talked about the bird children book that's written for adults. Yeah. So it already exists. Yeah.
3: Wow. So it's just like, it's Patterson all the way down.
1: (laughs) I actually would rather read another adult romance book. Uh, What? I found this one sad, but it was so, like, the emotional beats were so unearned that I wasn't as affected by them, I think. I think I was just like, yeah, like, of course they're all dead. Uh, Like, uh, I don't know. Whereas (laughs) the young adult book, like, grossed me out more viscerally, I think.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm. I can dig that. What was there any moment in this that actually like felt earned for you? Uh I mean
2: for me a dog died and that yeah. always gets No, me. I know, but, but like
1: I like the dog we'll we'll get to that story. Like the dog dying was definitely <laughs> the part that upset me the most, but it was hmm. also just so and then they never talked about the dog again and it didn't seem like Suzanne was all that upset about it even. It just like uh
3: and it was explicitly like, you know, a twelve year old golden retriever, you know, so you kinda know Yeah, he's like, on
2: he's on his last his last days. Yeah, well I'm getting Jesus sad now.
3: I was gonna say you know the he had a had long a good, good
4: life.
2: Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Jesus Captain Dark. <laughs> so,
2: sorry, man. Dead dogs just really hit me where it hurts. Wow.
1: <laughs> no, of course uh, they do. That's the whole point of
4: dogs.
2: Yeah. Did you I, I just discovered the other day a friend linked me to a website called Does the Dog Die? Yes. And you could just look up best. any movie with a dog in it and it'll tell you whether or not you should avoid it.
3: Is there a widget where I can like have me searching for movies automatically call that and filter it out? Because I don't even want to think about it. Man. Yes.
2: <laughs> I should have uh should have read that. Before I watched John Wick for many reasons because then I wouldn't I wouldn't have watched John Wick, which is a net positive in general.
3: My my girlfriend will never forgive me for that one. She's like relentless about like you you said it was just gonna be a dumb action movie. I was like, Well it was. Yeah, but a dog died, you asshole. Oh, yeah, no, it was horrible. It was horrible.
1: Yeah. Same with the Kingsmen, honestly.
2: Oh yeah, that's true. It's a stupid ass movie that has sudden dog death. Not cool. <sighs>
1: anyway uh Kate what which would you
0: rather I would much rather read another James Patterson adult romance book
4: because
1: wow.
0: that book was four hours long and the uh, young adult book was almost nine hours long yeah this was yep. so listening to it on 1.5 as I do that is only two hours of listening to another book whereas the other one would be like four and a half
3: what's a valid point
4: yeah. Well, it,
3: it is also sad that the best thing any of us can say about this is, well, it's a lot shorter than the angel experiment. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> the characters have slightly more
2: realistic names. Have we mentioned the <laughs> fact... Yeah, I mentioned Picasso. Okay, imagine, never
4: mind. <laughs>
1: imagine it's Maximum Ride, but they all just pick the name Matt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mattum Ride. I'm,
1: yeah, I'm Matt Ride. I'm Matt W. I'm like... I'm Matt, B. I'm Matt
2: Gasman. Matt Angel. And M- Matt the Gasman.
1: I think I have a nail posh called Matt Angel.
3: There has to be.
1: Anyway, uh, speaking of that, somehow, would you rather <laughs> drop your work ball or drop your romance ball? <laughs>
3: I, I, I can go on this because as somebody who has spent many a long year uh, dropping one or both, often at the same time, uh, when I happen to be talking this over with uh, with my lady friend, she just shrugged and said, eh, if you don't worry about the integrity ball, it really clears a lot of things
0: <laughs> up. <laughs> I have to admit that was also my thought reading it like who needs an integrity ball that's that that's not that's useless Uh.
2: i I feel like several of my balls have been out of play for a couple years now like definitely the romance ball is gathering dust in the corner somewhere and has been replaced with like a dragon ball or maybe a watching professional wrestling ball um so, yeah, I guess I already know where my priorities lie.
3: The, the thing I'm worried about is what happens if Thanos gets his hands on all five of these balls. is <laughs> true.
1: That'll be the new crossover event of the century after this podcast event. Mm-hmm. The James Patterson cinematic
0: universe merging with the Marvel cinematic universe.
2: <sighs> Alex Cross suddenly has mutant powers. <laughs> okay, that would rock and you fucking know it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think... I think uh, I would much rather drop my work ball because I feel like I've made it very clear on this podcast that if someone rich would like to marry me so I could quit my job and do nothing but, like, <laughs> fucking watch Netflix all day, I am in for that. Uh, so, yeah, like, fucking get rid of that, that work ball. I'll I'll dust off the romance ball and, uh, you know, work towards that, that goal
2: that's actually a great answer and I guess yeah I'm on board with that I I could see that Um, I I would love to just be able to you know try to learn the piano all day and and not have to worry about that particular rubber ball
1: yeah I mean I guess for me it's like I've already I've dropped the romance ball I don't know like Duarte definitely has it in his toy basket right now along with (laughs) along with my health ball I'm pretty sure uh, I think he's got that one too, so I mean, I I think I'm good just gonna, even though the work ball is rubber, I feel like it's like what I've got going, so I'm just gonna try to keep that one, keep that one away.
2: Which ball represents ordering pizza three nights a week and staying up late to watch Inspector Lewis? Because um, <laughs> I'm real good on that one.
3: Yeah, and and why can't any of these balls be like stand-ins or avatars of? Things that I give a shit about, the like, Blue Oyster Cold Ball. Exactly. Where's Where's the drinking beer ball? Where's, where's the, my murder you know...
0: ball? I, mean, I guess so much about murder.
1: <laughs> well, I guess that's yeah, if where's... we do upgrade them from balls to juggling knives.
3: Mm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Good point.
3: <laughs> like, where's the nap ball? <laughs> this guy's
4: incredible.
2: That's the health ball. But look at
3: the moves.
2: Yeah, nap ball is definitely. I feel like falls under the health ball. Mm. Mm. It's just, it's a weird kind of misshapen discolored health
4: ball.
1: <laughs> which one is Lady Gaga's depression monster ball? <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. <sighs> All right. How about, would you rather eat at Harry's Hamburger, which is, of course, where uh, Suzanne and and painter Matt have their romantic hamburger date. Or Steaks and Cakes, which is, of course, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle the movie that serves only entire steaks and entire cakes.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go with Harry's Hamburgers just because I love a good burger. So whether or not Keenan and Keller are involved, I'm a fan. So.
3: I can't it's hard for me to uh want to support a restaurant that juxtaposes hair and burger um and as a vegetarian neither of them sound that awesome but fine i guess we'll go to harry's burgers again and i'll have another salad honey
2: <laughs> maybe they have a black bean option <laughs> it is uh you know, martha's vineyard After that's all, a good so, point yeah. that's a
3: good point like maybe when uh the the local cognoscenti shows up, they bust out, like, the uh, macrobiotic menu or the raw menu or whatever.
2: They probably (laughs) have one of those weird, creepy vegetarian burgers that bleeds for some reason. Those are are actually pretty good. That
3: scares the fuck out of me. They're a little creepy, (laughs) but as a a vegetarian, uh, I can say that those are pretty good. Okay. I'll take your word on it.
1: Uh, So I'm also a vegetarian. I haven't tried those burgers because they also creep me out. Um... (laughs) And again, as a vegetarian, I'm not stoked about either of these, but of course, Steaks and Cakes is the sponsor of this show, and I will Mm. eat an entire cake.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I also, you know, sponsorship aside, because, you know, we don't do this for the money from Steaks and Cakes, we do it out of love. Oh,
1: I was going to say we do it for the cakes.
0: Yes, we do do it for the cakes. Uh, I had a steak for dinner last night, and it was not followed up with an entire full cake put down in front of me on a cake platter, and I was very disappointed, and if I was at Steaks and Cakes, that wouldn't be a problem.
3: Yeah, you never have to put up with shit like that at Steaks and Cakes. You know, speaking of Steaks and
2: Cakes and, and my highbrow style of living, I read most of this book at an Outback Steakhouse. Just, <laughs> there's some flavor for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: Actually, and I want to say that Harry's also is more likely to run into some local celebrities. Uh, I want to read you the local celebrities that James Patterson drops in here. A host of local celebrities floated in and out of the bar. Funky, laid-back Carly Simon, Tom Paxton, William Styron, and his wife Rose.
2: (laughs) I thought there was going to be a Kennedy for sure.
4: (sighs)
3: No James Taylor, you know he's pissed. James <laughs> Taylor. Yeah. <no>. You think <laughs> this hamburger's about you? <laughs>
2: She's funky and laid back. Yeah. You should see her hats.
3: <sighs> I, I gotta I gotta say, the two adjectives that probably come to mind least about Carly Simon are funky and laid back. <laughs> You've never heard her play the slap bass, man. <laughs>
1: uh classic carly <laughs>
2: <laughs> all
1: right and now we've got a special bonus game uh sometimes we like to play in tribute of course to bill o'reilly we play fucking marrying and killing and uh so of of our kind of main three we've got suzanne katie and painter matt uh which of those would you marrying which would you fucking which would you killing
0: Uh, I would killing Matt (laughs) because I don't care Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the world needs to be saved from his terrible poetry and I do not want to either fuck or marry a dude so get that right out of the way Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, (laughs) fair
0: I think I would probably uh, maybe fuck Katie and marry Suzanne oh my god
1: Kate you're forgetting the core rules of our game
0: oh my god you're right i'm sorry i would fucking katie and marrying suzanne (laughs) suzanne feels like she's wife material
1: yeah she's she's a great mother (laughs) yes it's
2: true (laughs) um i'm gonna have to agree on all fronts um killing matt for sure because he's awful, and he writes bad poetry, and he wants people to call him Picasso, which is somehow even worse than my insistence that people call me Doc, which still hasn't happened. <laughs> um, definitely uh, uh, fucking Kate, because she's like six feet tall, and I'm like five foot four, so I feel like that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but I wouldn't want to be married to her because people would laugh at us when we went into restaurants and stuff. <laughs> and
1: when you went into Harry's Sarah's- hamburgers.
2: Exactly. They'd be like, oh, look, here comes Al Pacino and his wife again. Um, but mar- marrying Suzanne just because she's left, because honestly, I don't find anything about her particularly uh, magnetic or charming, but um, those were our options. So I'm playing them as they lie. Yeah. Legit?
3: Yeah. This is definitely a a make the best of a suboptimal hand territory here. I think we haven't given quite enough attention to the uh, sensual magnetism that Matt brings to the party. Uh, So I'm going to read you two tiny bits. How's it going down here? Matt asked me. Sliding into my porch rocker in his cut-off jeans and open denim shirt, Ugh. Matt listens to Jimmy Buffett. Two, two pages <laughs> later, I highlighted just this fragment: jeans, his glistening rose-brown skin, Uh And I don't know what either of those mean, but uh, you know. Again, I think I so have a I nail think...
1: polish color called that. <laughs>
3: This is
2: a man who wears jeans and boat shoes if, at the same you, time. For if sure. If you saw
3: a human of the color of that nail polish, would you be stoked on it, or would that be like, <laughs> sir, you need to get to the doctor? <laughs>
1: you need to marry a doctor.
3: Yeah, uh, I think it's marrying a doctor. Oh my god. Yep. <laughs> um, and this game's so yeah, tricky. I,
1: no one said it would be I, easy. I, I... <laughs>
3: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Matt. Uh, Matt. Matt sounds like he knows his way around. You know the arts of the flesh, uh, so I think I would probably fucking Matt. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a quick narrative get off the hook card and killing Suzanne because she's already dead. So oh, I don't I don't want to oh, be the point, bad guy point. here. That sounds fucked up to
2: yeah, me. Yeah, you know it's inevitable anyway. Yeah. So yeah, yeah no, she's got a bad sense.
1: heart. Um,
3: yeah, and so then I guess that leaves me marrying Katie, which I don't want to call anybody out here, but like. I I suspect that this is not gonna be one of those like lifelong marriages per se. This is probably not gonna work out great for either of us. I don't think Katie's gonna have a lot of a lot of use for me in the long run.
2: You could play some good pickup games down at the Y though.
3: Totally. Yeah. Totally. We could, you know I bet hope, she, she, hopefully posts, she could carry yeah, me.
2: I was gonna say, I bet she plays the post real well. And, yeah,
3: yeah. And, you know, she's got a dog and a cat and that sounds really fun. I'd like to take the dog for walks and like, you know play with the cat and stuff
1: yeah we hadn't mentioned that earlier which is off-brand for me uh katie has a gray cat which we all know is the best kind of cat to have uh (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah i'm actually i'm i'm gonna co-sign all of collisions actually i'm 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 down to fucking matt it's not gonna be great but that is the struggle of being a heterosexual woman in this day there's gonna be
2: There's gonna be a lot of face touching and sensitive music in the background for sure, and like some Vaseline on the lens.
3: And if that phrase isn't on your T-shirts already, (laughs) it needs to be.
4: Uh,
1: uh, Yeah, I'm I'm killing Suzanne because she's already gone. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm marrying Katie, and we're just we're gonna watch Ally McBeal, we're gonna listen to Macy Gray, (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna eat eat dinner and drink drinks, and it'll be fine.
2: That's why I kept thinking, okay, I saw Macy Gray sing on a New Year's Eve thing that was like one of those low-budget ones that's only aired in California, and it was from Los Angeles, and she was so wasted that she couldn't remember the words to her own song, and now I remembered why I love her anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah, me and Katie will watch that. We'll find it on YouTube.
2: I'm sure it's there. Macy Gray, epic fail. (laughs)
1: All right, let us move on to our reader's advisory where we suggest things to read instead of or in addition to Suzanne's Diary for Nicholas. Uh, First of all, definitely um, this is so much like Bridges of Madison County. It's so much like The Notebook. It's so much like that Chris Harrison book that we read. It's just so much like all this other sort of shitty prestige romance whatever this genre is Mm -hmm. epistolary sex
0: notebook for
1: your children kind of (laughs) yeah yeah it's very that um so instead of this real quick I i already mentioned the fast and the furious movies i do genuinely think they all have a better emotional arc than this book and my other big thing I want to recommend is the book uh, Well there's a website modernloss.com And then they have a book up, come out of Collected advice for grief and grieving It's written by Rebecca Soffer and Gabrielle Berkner And I just really feel like Matt could have used that I think he needed something to help him better channel his grief And understand how to process it Than just giving this diary to his girlfriend
2: I if I can jump in here I just I want to say I was looking at your Google Doc earlier (laughs) and somebody already somebody already jumped on the one I was going to recommend so I'm just going to try to get out ahead of the curve here as is my want Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah The Time Traveler's Wife by Audrey uh, Nifniger I think is like one of the, the the most affecting romance things that I've read in a long time and it really stuck with me and I really liked it a lot and um, you know, I know a lot of people like to clown on it, but I think I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. So I would go with that maybe. Or if if not that, if you're just looking for schmaltz and you're not necessarily cared about caring about the uh, grown-up romance so much and say, may, maybe you're a, a young man in your late 30s.
4: <laughs>
2: you can never go wrong with the little prince. I'm just saying.
4: Aww. So. <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm going to point out that there is a movie of this with Jonathan Sheck in it as uh, Matt Harrison, who's the the painter Matt, which I, I'm only pointing out specifically because Jonathan Sheck was also in the movie of Angel's Fall, which was one of the the second Nora Roberts book that we read in February, mm. so uh, I guess Jonathan Sheck is making good money off of all of this garbage when he's not writing songs about his principles or being in the Washingtonians which is better than this book and you should watch that just while I'm talking (laughs) about it but also uh, if you like this sort of epistolary romance but you want it to actually be good uh, Simon vs. the Homo Sapien Agenda by Becky Albertalli is obviously a favorite of ours and the movie version of it Love, Simon came out recently-ish when this episode goes up and uh, I've seen it and cried through it once already and plan to do it again. So uh, hit that up, too.
2: I just had to look up Jonathan Sheck because I wasn't sure who he was. And uh, yeah, he's the guy from That Thing You Do. Yes. Which is one of my favorite movies ever. So yeah, anyway.
3: I mean, if you've, I feel like if you've got a symmetrical face and pretty good posture, you know, and like uh, enough confidence in yourself to have a sense of humor about your career, you can make a pretty nice living.
2: You're under, you are know? you're, you're really underselling it. He's an incredibly attractive guy, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh,
3: I guess I'll be the grump. Uh, when I was thinking about this, it was just in the context of having just read this, and the only thing I wanted to read was a complete palate cleanser. Uh, so I returned to, and Jay's going to make fun of this. Dorf on me for golf. This. Yeah, exactly. A uh, article. Uh, that is oh, here we go. <laughs> actually, only available to subscribers. Is it
2: S to the O to the L to the N? No. Oh, okay. Um,
3: it is by the always problematic Laura Kipnis. Okay. And it is entitled The Domestic Gulag. <laughs> <laughs> and it's an excerpt in Harper's from some years back that really blew my mind because all it is in it, the full chapter is just the. Uh, returns of a survey that she ran of, I think, married couples uh, about what they felt was constrained in their life because Mm. of their relationship. So every sentence just starts with, you can't. Uh, And it goes on for like pages and pages and pages. And it's kind of hypnotic and occasionally hilarious, occasionally incredibly depressing. Uh, And like I said, a good... Uh, a moose bush after having <laughs> sat with James Patterson and his ideals of relationshipery. His his treacle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's reasonable. All right. Anything else anybody wants to throw out there before we move on?
2: No, no. I think that's about it for me.
0: Yeah. Read literally any Nora Roberts book. Oh yeah, any Nora, Nora Roberts. Any book. Nora Roberts.
1: Any of them. Anyway, there's like two hundred plus Nora Roberts books, so I don't know why you'd ever read anything else. Yes.
0: <laughs> I just read a good one called The Collector. There was a little bit of like Orientalism in it, which I was kinda turned off by, but overall, you know, it was a pretty solid Nora, enjoyable. Those fourteen hours of the book flew by. <laughs>
1: Nice. All right, well, we'll have all of these and maybe some other ones we didn't get around to saying out loud up on our website, worstbestsellers.com under Reader's Advisory, so check that out. And now we will move on to our candy pairing where, just like at (laughs) Harry's Hamburger, they give Carly Simon a fine wine to go with her burger. Uh, We we (laughs) will give you a candy to go along with this book.
3: Uh, I guess I would start. This book has like a wild sort of old man quality Mm -hmm. so i definitely think that the most appropriate though wildly not the most enjoyable candy to pair with this would be like a super dusty glass bowl full of brock's butterscotch uh, that's probably roughly as old as you are yes that
2: that is good yeah um, for me, I was gonna say one of those jelly belly jelly beans that's supposed to taste like popcorn but just kind of tastes like a big pat of butter because uh, you you think you're getting one thing, but what you actually get is is a very kind of uh, simplified facsimile thereof. and um, also, as I mentioned, I read most of this at the Outback steakhouse, and there may have been some butter sauce involved. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. it was you know, kind of rattling around my brain a little bit. so
1: checks out
0: i think i would say that mine is uh jolly ranchers you know it's something that you might necessarily think isn't going to be that bad and the second you put it in your mouth you're like i can feel my teeth rotting out of my head yeah this is disgusting and it's going to stick with me for far longer than i
2: would (laughs) like it to can i change my answer to skittle (laughs) brow
3: Uh, Jolly Ranchers. Hey, kids, do you like the taste of chemicals? <laughs> Here they are.
1: Kids do, though. They do. I know. I, I, I love Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> um, I thought it would be funny if I said the same candy as I said for Bridges of Madison County, because this is, mm. like, going for that. But then I actually looked back, and what I had said for Bridges of Madison County was an applesauce souffle, which is very specific to, like, what those people were eating, So I I had to kind of free associate. And what I came up with was, I don't know if you've ever had one of those like very large, very fancy candy apples where it's got like, it's like chocolate and caramel and then it's got like M&Ms on it and you get it and you're like, this item is so big. I can't like, I can't take a bite out of it. I'm not really sure how to eat this. And then you like try to slice it and then it all just sort of falls apart. (laughs) And that's what this is. Excellent. Now it is time for The Rock Paper Snicked, which is, of course, (laughs) the game where Kate says who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, and uh, you guys can pick which one would make the book uh, most improved, or you can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is.
3: Okay, okay.
1: And you're each allowed to vote separately. You don't have to come to a consensus. I
3: mean... What would it even mean for this book to be improved, though?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Give us a chance. All right.
3: (laughs) Okay, that's fair. That's fair.
0: If Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book... He would be a bartender at that bar, Doc's Tavern, that Matt goes to sometimes with the writing on the side of the bar or whatever. And uh, when Matt is freaking out after Katie throws him that nice dinner and tries to tell him about her baby, The Rock would very gently direct him away from his brilliant plan of sending her the diary with no context or explanation, mindful of his grief, but also (laughs) mindful of the fact that it's a shitty way to jerk around a woman he claims to love. Uh, So instead, he'd help Matt compose a beautiful letter where he basically says, like, listen, the day I came to see you was the anniversary of my late wife and baby son's deaths, and I was very emotional, and I'm not sure if I can go into this relationship until you know everything in my background. So here's a diary that my wife wrote to my son that will explain everything, and uh, I need some time alone with my thoughts to sort things out. So, uh, Katie would be a lot more patient and less angsty, and Matt's coping would be a little healthier, and everyone would move on with their lives much more quickly.
1: The Rock- that's what I like about him. He's just so sensitive.
4: Mm-hmm. Such <laughs> a-
1: Alright, so if Wolverine were in this book, I think he would have invented a reason to go to Martha's Vineyard just to kind of, like, get away from all the teenage X-Men for a while. So he would say he was going to go, like, for sea monsters or something, but actually just, like, day drinking at the bar, maybe hanging out with the Rock. (laughs) But him being on the island and him having those superhuman senses, I think he would be able to you know hear it and tell when Gus the dog was about to get hit by a car and he mm. would leap into traffic and save the dog and everything else in the book i think would go on as planned but the dog would would survive
2: all right um so this is hard for me because as as a noted fan of professional wrestling every bone in my body is is aching for me to go with the rock <laughs> but I got to say Wolverine, I think, just because I don't want the dog to die. And also, I just have a hard time imagining The Rock being that sensitive. I think what The Rock would probably actually do is, um, you know, tell him to write a sensitive poem, put it in a really fancy box, shine that box up real nice, turn it sideways, and leave it on the doorstep of your Martha's Vineyard apartment. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, I think he would probably work at Harry's because then you could smell what he was cooking. But anyway,
3: <laughs> so I want to I want to have have my my rock and hug it too. So I'm going to put Wolverine into this book for the two important reasons: of one, saving the dog, and two, if the dog doesn't die, there's no more. Gravitas to the book, and no more reason for it to exist. So, I assume that it would vanish, which would make us all happier and would be all to the good.
2: It would puff it in a puff of smoke and suddenly become uh, Mick Foley's autobiography. Uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> and the reason I didn't want to go with The Rock is because instead of, you know, dropping The Rock into this, I want that to be a, a episodic television. Once a week, I want The Rock to be a bartender at a truck stop somewhere near Martha's Vineyard. And somebody drives in with some kind of problem, and The Rock helps them work through it. Sort of like Quantum Leap, except the problem people come to him. (laughs) You know, The Rock says that sometimes those problems start
2: inside yourself. (laughs) Alright, sorry,
1: <laughs> no, I would watch I that. I was gonna this? say it sounds like uh Paul of Tompkins speakeasy. which so like <laughs> he stopped doing speakeasies. so I feel like the rock could take that over and just like relocate it, and it would be perfect,
2: yeah, and there would be a lot more exposed chest, I'm yeah. sure oh yeah, I love Paul to- Paul F. Tompkins, but he doesn't show nearly enough shaved chest on a regular basis. So no,
1: he dresses very modestly, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. There's no losers in the rock paper snicked except for James Patterson.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, and, if us, can, cause and if we can, because we read it. And if we can somehow that, that get that as well.
3: If we can somehow get the rock to deliver a rock bottom to James Patterson, <laughs> that would be okay as well. Uh,
1: let's start a Twitter campaign. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: He'd probably do it. I think he's about to fight Macaulay Culkin, so. Ooh, James Patterson? Yeah, oh. totally. They're going to be at WrestleMania.
3: Wow.
1: I feel like if somebody has a like very sick child who made a video for The Rock, I think The Rock would do it. I think he's very susceptible to that.
5: James Patterson, I'm calling you out. <laughs>
1: Anyway, uh, what do you guys think the moral of this story is? I, I just based on this conversation, I feel like we just all have taken the wrong moral from it. But let's check in on that.
0: Uh, I would say the moral of the story is that James Patterson has never met a human woman in his life.
4: <laughs> Legit.
2: Um, For me, I I think, and, you know, I alluded to it earlier, but I I say, like, don't trust anyone who paints houses that wants you to call him Picasso and self-identifies as a poet (laughs) because he almost certainly is going to live on a houseboat that smells like failure and stale weed. So it's just, it's a bad, bad thing to do. Don't put your eggs in that basket, um, figuratively or literally.
3: Yeah, there's, there's a very real way where Matt is basically like, The prequel character to the dude in Big Lebowski. No, I was going to say like Matt is cute now.
2: Matt is a step away from like being like a supporting cast character and dazed and confused. He just doesn't realize it, and that's that's dangerous always. (laughs)
3: Um, I I think that this book maybe I liked it a little bit better than you guys because I I thought this book was chock full of valuable moral teachings, basically one for each of your your main characters. Mm. Um, So. Moral one, if you try to cheap out on your roofing project by seducing your roofer, Hmm. God will punish you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another powerful moral, more for him in this scenario, is go ahead, fellas, read two books alone at dinner and have a snappy one-liner about them. Uh, Because peacocking is definitely the way to a lady's heart but that's a hundred percent what matt does he's reading like moby dick and jaws or something
2: i just i just sorry to to backtrack here but i just want to mention that like it says a lot when you're a published author and and the things that you write for characters to be impressive are the most pedestrian pieces of like quote unquote serious literature known i don't
3: know sorry anyway it's not unfair uh, and then the the last uh, the last moral is is for the Katie's among us, you know the the professional ladies, and I think the moral there is, uh, you know, go ahead, get it on with dudes you work with.
4: Mm. Yeah, <laughs> you
2: especially know, especially uh, if they can pay your telephone bills and your automobiles. And...
1: <laughs> if you tune into our next podcast episode after that, I think you'll find that Helen Gurley Brown would agree with that advice
3: mm. strongly. <laughs> And who's not taking advice from Helen Gurley Brown in 2018, am I right? Edith Head.
1: (laughs) Uh, All right. My moral of the story is men are from Mars and women are from Zanga, (laughs) which, if you don't remember, was an online journaling platform from the early 2000s.
3: (laughs) I remember. Still big in Brazil, right? Or am I thinking of something no, else? No, that's Orchid, you're thinking oh, of Oh yeah. Orchid, okay. Uh, yeah, men are from Mars, women are from Live Journal. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. It's wow, yeah. The Zanga thing, it's right on point.
1: Well it's <laughs> just because you see, if I may explain my joke, Zanga I feel like sounds more like a planet than like live journal or Blogspot. Fair Zanga, enough, fair I feel enough. like yeah, if we discover another planet, maybe we'll call it Zanga. I don't know. God, I hope not. I I hope we do. And I hope <laughs> Do you think we could get
3: NASA to pay us money to mount an expedition to Zanga?
1: <laughs> and no, then it, but it would Elon be... Musk might. And then all the all the mission updates would be like current mood, spacey.
3: <laughs> current soundtrack, current Fallout music. Boy, dot 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 uh,
1: again. David Bowie.
2: Join the Zanga Harry Potter web ring. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So that's my opinions about space and books. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's time for Duarte's Corner. Of course, my cat Duarte will give his opinions about books and space. Maybe. Who knows? You know what, Duarte, you're right. I feel like we did spend way too much time talking about the human d- baby and not enough time at all talking about Katie's cat who did sound like an amazing, fully developed character. It's gray. It's a gray cat, uh, gray Persian, I believe. And her, let's see, her cat, I think, was named Guinevere and the dog was Merlin yeah. maybe or maybe backwards.
3: No, it's Guinevere <sighs> Gwyn- and
2: Merlin. didn't even notice that. And yeah. Now I'm groaning and- all over again. <laughs>
0: And I, I understand that you really think that they should have addressed more of the problems that might arise once the baby and the cat and the dog are all in the same small apartment. But, you know, maybe there's a sequel. Uh, you know, I, I think that that might be better served for later on past the point where the narrative ends here. Uh, you you mean agreed. the sequel
1: where the cat kills the baby?
3: Well, I was <laughs> yes. I was going to say, finally the cat is going to get enough breath because it'll be able to steal <laughs> it from the baby. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, Dorothy, I think that's on point, and I'll look forward to that coming out from James Patterson any minute now.
3: <laughs> the problem is, is if he thinks of it, he will write it, and it will get published. Yeah. That's that's the part that worries me. That's...
2: Guinevere's revenge. <laughs>
1: Uh, if that happens, uh let's make a blood pact right now. You have to come back and read that.
2: <laughs> I, I would read that without any motivation. I mean, yeah, I
3: would definitely read James Patterson's Cat in the Cradle. You know oh, that probably already exists. It's just I bet not it about does. what we just yeah. said. Yeah. Right. James Patterson's silver spoon. <laughs> James Patterson's the little boy. James Patterson's the man in the moon. I can go on like this.
1: Uh, Yeah, well, so could he.
3: (laughs) And has. That's fair. That's fair. He has way more endurance than me. Uh,
2: James Patterson has, like, no literary refractory period.
1: (laughs) He's just just bookshot after bookshot over here.
4: Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Anyway, Duarte, you adorable cat, you, thank you for your opinions. Uh, Do any humans have any closing thoughts?
0: Yeah, I forgot. uh, The Moby Dick thing reminded me. I totally meant to recommend uh, Dave Molloy's musical Moby Dick, because I haven't recommended a Dave Molloy musical in, like, a whole episode. Has he even, like, finished writing that yet? No. Well, there's a draft, (laughs) and it's four hours long, but... (laughs) There's some songs on the internet and they're pretty good. Uh, the great comic <laughs> cast sings them. We'll link to those because you probably don't have enough Dave Molloy in your life because you probably have his name blocked on all social media because I talk about him too much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's a very on brand closing thought from you, Kate. Uh, how about you guys?
2: um not much other than i am really sick of reading james patterson and i'm very happy um you know while i have enjoyed this uh, crossover event i can now ignore james patterson for another couple years and and be completely com- comfortable with that so uh <laughs> thumbs up
3: yeah i i guess my only thoughts are uh i'm i'm glad i'll never be successful enough to own a home because like <laughs> hiring a handyman seems like way more trouble than it's worth yeah and they're Very really not. hard to seduce this this book makes it
2: seem easy but the actual fact of it is these guys are like you know they're getting hit on like four or five times a day and you really got to come with with something strong <laughs> if you want to get a couple bucks
3: knocked off your roofing job
2: mm-hmm.
3: so yeah a picture of uh, sun tea isn't gonna get it no it's not
1: <laughs> uh beautiful and true all right well uh, I guess that about wraps things up for us so I'll just say that if you want more worst bestsellers in your life you can like us on Facebook where we're the worst bestsellers or you can follow us on Twitter where we're worst bestseller with no s because the s died and I'm sorry uh, <laughs> we... Wait,
3: you've been lying to us about this for hundreds of episodes. <laughs> what a reveal.
1: This whole podcast has just been a series of dire entries of me trying to explain to you how the S tragically died.
2: I was going to say Kate and Renata's Diary to S. But...
1: <laughs> I think that's also one of the Pretty Little Liars books. <laughs> yeah. or they <laughs> in the series. Uh, We also have a website, which is worstbestsellers.com, and it has links to all the other things that we've told you about. You can subscribe
0: to us on Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play. Uh, If you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it pushes us up a little bit in the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review us, we might be forced to read some of Matt's poetry to you, and I think that's going to be pretty painful, so just (laughs) want to cut that off at the pass. Uh, You can also pledge for us on Patreon. If you're unfamiliar with Patreon, it is where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation and you get some cool perks like a newsletter and we get some cool perks like money that we can then use to buy things like these books that we have to read and pay our editor. You can find that at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. And uh, we also have a merch store up now, which just go to worstbestsellers.com and click from there. It's a long URL, and that'll
1: just be easier. But wear our podcast on your body. Wear The Rock and Wolverine on your body. Together at once. (laughs) Uh,
4: Yes, I will.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, And then, of course, if you have enjoyed listening to uh, the I Don't Even Own a Television guys, Jay and Chris, uh, where can you find them? elsewhere i phrase Uh, that really badly but you know what i mean
2: yeah no it's okay we 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 phrase it really badly on our own show all the time um i don't even own a television.com is the place it's got links to all our social media stuff we're on twitter and facebook and all that but you can find us it's not hard um and you know just definitely if you enjoyed this maybe take a listen to our show and we just both wanted to thank you for having us on it's been a great time this was awesome and uh yeah we appreciate it a hundred percent
1: Yes, well, likewise, we had a lot of fun on your show, and, and it's, it's just been... It's been great. Yeah, well, I was trying to think of something funnier to say than great, but fine, oh, we'll fucking well, go with great. God.
2: Just... <laughs> no, I mean, I, I will say, you know, just to kind of to peel back the curtain here, I feel like it's easy to go on the internet and find people who will watch a movie and laugh <laughs> at it, yeah. but I feel like the amount of people out there that are willing to put the work in to read a book... Just to, uh, you know, talk about it and stuff. It's, it's few and far between, so it's always awesome for us to meet kindred spirits and collaborate with them, and, and for that, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts.
3: Yeah. It was nice to come together with you guys like a handyman with some <laughs> hot chick he meets at work after his <laughs> wife
2: dies. Uh. I still get Jimmy Buffett vibes every time I think about Matt. That's not a good thing. <laughs>
1: All right. Um, oh, also, if you want to follow me individually on Twitter, I'm at Renata Snacks,
0: And you can follow me individually on Twitter at 14across.
3: And you shouldn't follow me on Twitter because I'm just grumpy and He's I use cranky. it mainly to vent. So don't do it. Don't do it.
2: He, he even like makes fun of our own podcast on Twitter sometimes. <laughs> it makes me cry. Don't follow. Don't follow him. But you
3: should follow the podcast, pod, uh, podcast Twitter, which is at pod.
2: Yeah, that's that one's pretty good. We stay posy on there.
1: <laughs> it, al- it also doesn't have an S in it, so we've got that in yeah. common.
2: <laughs> nope, no S. But it does kind of look like idiotv.pod, which was something we didn't realize until much too late. So yeah, <laughs> follow us on the idiot link, I
3: guess. Yeah, yeah. I have, oh. I, I'll never get tired of getting emails to hi, idiots. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs>
2: Especially ones that are all about how my voice sounds annoying. I love those emails. Thanks, guys.
1: It is right. actually honestly refreshing to know that men get those emails too. Yes. But anyway, mm. if you're still listening at this point, you're obviously amazing. And you'll probably you'll probably be listening in two weeks when we're back with Having It All by Helen Gurley Brown. Oh god. Yep. So I gonna, but I, I
0: think it's a good episode. I don't really remember it.
1: But <laughs>
5: We have a great Those guest on that one. Not that episodes. our guests today haven't
0: been great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's time for us to stop talking. Uh, but yes, <laughs> thank you. Past so- my bedtime. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much uh, to to Jay and Collision for joining us, and thanks to all of you for listening. And that's all. That's all. Goodbye.
3: Bye. Thank you for having us. Bye. Bye. Bye.